Welcome to season number six of the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This show is designed specifically for ambitious moms, dads, husbands, and wives to help you get money out of the way so you can live life on your own terms. And if you're finally ready to transform the way you do money, head over and grab one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I'm your host, The Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas. And this is episode number 78. A very special episode. An episode dedicated and created just for today. The day that we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King. And today we're going to talk about the cost of the dream, right? How much does a dream cost? How much did his dream cost? Today we're going to explore... How finances played a part in the movement and the dream that Dr. Martin Luther King has. And we're going to probably explore it like we've never talked about it before. So I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you stick around because I think this is a really interesting concept that I've not heard very many people talking about. And I think you're going to like it. If this is your first time tuning in, I like to say welcome, welcome. I don't know how you found me, but I appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, how you can use it to live the lifestyle that you want, raise your family, your children, go see the things you want to see and really apply what I like to call functional finances to your life. A lot of people talk about the retirement concept. They talk about wealth building, but very few people actually talk about it, how you can use it and apply it to your life on an everyday basis. And for me, I'm in the trenches with you. I'm just an everyday person. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a firefighter. I work a regular job like many people, but I'm also pursuing wealth in my own personal life. So I speak to it from the perspective of where I'm from and not from a perspective of already had made it like a lot of times that we hear. So if you want to find out more about what we do and how we do, you want to connect with us, head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com. Consider becoming one of the misfits or even joining us in our free Facebook group where we like to chat about whatever we like to chat about. So With that being said, welcome, 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 and we're going to get on with the show today. So I know it's a special day. It's Monday. You got the day off. It's Martin Luther King Day, and we want to celebrate that. And and one of the things that I like to do, uh, one of my strengths that I think I have is that I ask questions. And one of the questions I've always asked when anybody does something great is really how did they do that? And being a person that thinks about finances, I think about how did they do that from a financial perspective? Like today, if I wanted to go out and I wanted to, let's say, get out into the streets and protest or or cause a movement, so to speak, what would that cost be like? How would I pay my bills, right? Where do I find the time to go do that? I think about people like Colin Kaepernick, right? Like, what is the real cost of him, you know, taking the knee and taking a stand for people of color and knowing that he may never play football again, right? Knowing that he may be giving up millions of dollars, right? What it, what goes on through the mind? How do you 
pay for such a thing. And on this day, since we are talking about, and today is Martin Luther King Day, I want to talk about that. Talk about what was it that was involved in the process from a from a financial perspective, right? What was the cost, right? How much did it cost him to do that? Who paid for it, right? What does it mean for his legacy? And how, of course, how it relates to you and your own dream and how we can take these lessons and apply it to our own lives. So let's get this started, right? So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> a simple Google search or asking a friend, if you don't know who Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is, because I know I have a lot of international uh, listeners to this podcast, but I think most people around the globe know who Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is because he's gotten a ton of play. I mean, it's it's a holiday, right? He's been uh, credited as one of the most notable people in the civil rights movement here in the United States as far as moving us forward. And of course, he's mainly known for his speech, the I Have a Dream speech, right, where he uh, made this beautiful movie moving speech right there on the steps of Congress in, in Washington, D.C., one of the largest uh, demonstrations of his time uh, about uh, civil rights, about people being treated as people, right, about us coming together, not based on the color of our skin, but even the, 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 the flavor of our character, right, how we are as individuals, that we would judge each other based on that and not based on the color of our skin. But he was known for his ability to move people, right? To move to action, to disturb the peace, so to speak, but in the right way. He was known for his ideas of nonviolent protest, right? And his way to love people, so to speak, kill them with kindness, so to speak. Instead of killing them with violence, he would kill them with kindness. And whether or not you believe that was the right way to do it, that's what he did. And when you think about that, when you think about him being a minister, him having a family, him having children, what about them? Right. Uh, How much did it cost for all this to go on? Right. So you think about it. When we look back at Dr. Martin Luther King's life today, it seems hunky dory. Right. We glorify him. But at the time, he wasn't a person who was glorified. I'd like to called to the attention of like Colin Kaepernick, right? Or even like uh, Muhammad Ali, right? During the times when people are going through this, they're, they're disturbing the peace, so to speak. They are not glorified. You can look at Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick and you can see how uh, one side of, the, of America is really disturbed by this, right? You, Dave Chappelle in his latest standup on Netflix, he was talking about this, how uh he he didn't know that the kryptonite to the bigotry and the the white people of of america that don't necessarily you know stand for this how we didn't know that the kryptonite is taking a knee right during the during the national anthem and he jokes about it but it's funny right and it's and it's it's kind of true in the sense that they get so worked up over these things and they vilify him right and but will the future treat him the same way will the stories written written about Colin Kaepernick be uh vilifying will he be an enemy of the state or will he be somebody who's glorified so if you look back at time when Dr. Martin Luther King was going through this process right especially when you want to talk about cost he was vilified he was called an enemy of the state he was called a communist he was called a terrorist he was called of course the n-word and all that other good stuff right because 
back then they didn't want black folks to speak out of place so to speak right you couldn't you need to stay in line don't disturb things don't disturb what you got you need to just stay in line and, and enjoy what we're giving you and you you be quiet about that right just appreciate what you have and this just wasn't a thing for white people right because black folks thought the same thing black folks thought dr martin luther king was a troublemaker right so you think about it if you're a mom or you're a dad and you have found a way to function in society with white people, right? You you have a job, you are you got maybe you have a house, you got food on the table, you, you've you've figured out how to coexist with your white counterpart. And here comes this guy coming into your town that may disturb that peace, that may put a rift between you and the people that you find found a way to live harmoniously with. Right. And so they thought even black folks thought that Dr. Martin Luther King was a troublemaker in a lot of places because they didn't want him coming to their town, maybe putting their job at risk. Right. And if you put their job at risk, you put their income at risk, you put their income at risk, you put their family at risk. Right. So Dr. Martin Luther King wasn't just up against white people or people who were bigots or people who hated black folks or Nazis or KKK or whatever you want to call it. He was up against people of his own color, people who did not want to be disturbed because none of us like to be disturbed, right? Nobody likes to have their peace disturbed. Nobody likes to have the things that they got going on. And especially if you've been working for so long to get this thing going and get it good and you found a groove and you found your comfort zone, you don't want that disturbed. And Dr. Martin Luther King was coming around and going to different places and he had that disturbed. So he wasn't liked by everybody. We look at it back today and we think, oh, everybody loved him. Right. Unless you were a, a bigot. But that wasn't the case. People did not love him. Right. There were people uh, in the movement that were for uh, black people having rights, civil rights, equal rights, things like that. That didn't even like him. Right. So you had one side who was like, look, we're going to protect ourselves by any means necessary. Forget about this nonviolent movement stuff. If you come up here and you bring violence, we're going to we're going to respond back with violence. Right. Uh, and then there were those people who were like, no, we're nonviolent. So there was even this divide within the black community about how to go about getting equal rights. There was those people who did not like him. Right. So that cost him a lot. He could have just did what he was doing all his life, just being a preacher, uh, just continue to do what he was comfortable with, not leave his wife, not leave his children behind, not put them at risk. He could have not even, you know, tolerated the death threats. The FBI was on his tail. The CIA was on his tail. The entire country at some point, the people who had power anyway, was against him. And that is a huge cost, not only financially, but also spiritually, right? Emotionally. They tried everything that they could. They would put this man behind bars, right? They even tried him on tax evasion. They tried to discredit him. They would plant women in his place and and they exploited his his own flesh weaknesses because, you know, we know now, uh, looking back, that he was a person who was adulterer. Right. He wasn't this hunky dory, you know, pure guy of a minister. Right. Because we're all flawed. Right. But we found out more about that. And a lot of that came out because of the FBI and the CIA. They would plant these things. They would record him and they would send this stuff to his wife to try to break up his home. Right. So this is like the real cost. And it's not just financially. Right. We talk about finances a lot on, on this show. 
Well, we, that's all we talk about, really. But finances are di- directly related to every other aspect of life as well. It's not just the money. Right. And I, I try to beat that in everybody's head so much. It's not just the money. It's related to every aspect of our money because money is just a resource. Right. And our life revolves around the resources we have and how we manage those resources. And typically how you manage the other resources in your life is how you manage your money and how you manage your money is likely how you manage your other resources in your life. I had a mentor used to say this all the time. How you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And you want to pay attention to that. If you neglect one area of your life, chances are that neglect will spend spill over to other areas in your life. So you don't want to neglect at all if you can help it. Right. But that was a cost. So you think about having all these people that were looking that were going against him. You know, one of the questions I has is like, how did he pay for this stuff? Right. If you think about like how many times he was arrested, right, how many times he was away from work, how many times he was on the road traveling. Right. He didn't have a regular job. Right. But the thing he did have was a network. And I've talked about this a lot that uh, it's not necessarily about who, you know, but it's who knows you and what they know you for, because people knew him for his cause and what he was looking after and what he was trying to go for. They supported him. You know, he had the Montgomery Improvement Association where he was a president of. He had the Southern Christian Leadership Conferences uh, where he was also the president of that at at some point. He had all these organizations. He had those people who were uh, the white liberals who had money. Uh, A lot of Jewish uh, people who had money, they would donate to his cause. They would pay for him to go on these trips and, and make moves. When you were talking about going through this march, like how did people pay for these marches? How did people pay for the boycotts? Right. Well, you know, down in the South, you couldn't stay in the hotels because black folks didn't own any of the hotels down there. Right. And they didn't want these colored folks coming down here, staying in their hotels. Right. Because if white people were shown to be friendly to you, they would be also called communist and people would boycott there or they'll burn down their facilities. These people were really violent folks. They were vile people who hated other people. They also hated themselves. But it was just this outer uh, this outer reflection of it was was hate against other people. So you couldn't stay in hotels. So what they did is you had to stay with each other. You had to create these networks of people. So people stayed on other people's couches. They utilized the churches quite often. Uh, the Baptist churches were uh, very involved. And this is one of the reasons why the Baptist churches, these black black owned churches or these black churches came about because they needed each other. Right. They needed each other to help each other. Today, we don't see a whole lot of that because a lot of a lot of people don't necessarily feel like they need their other people. But just be clear on this. We all need each other. No matter what anybody tells you, no matter what it looks like, don't think you're doing anything on your own. This is one of the things that I pray all the time that God shows me my sin. So I never get too big or too holier than thou to think that somebody else can't make mistakes or that I will judge somebody harshly because they make mistakes. And I always ask God to allow me to see the people that have helped me get here. This is why I say I love you. This is why I say I appreciate you. And I thank you for listening because I can't do this on my own. Right. I can't I can only spread the word so much. It is you that has helped us reach the six figures and download numbers and reach all the people that has been out there. Same thing with Dr. Martin Luther King. It was the people that put his name out there. It was the people that got behind him and pushed him forward. It was the people that financed this movement. 
he was the spokesperson, so to speak. Right. He was the the eloquent uh, individual above uh, in front of it. Right. He was uh, the face of it all. But it was the people that got behind him that moved him. It was the people that would house other people when they were coming in to make those marches. It was the people who would make lunches and 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 feed them when they were coming into town that made it possible because they couldn't eat at restaurants. Right. You're looking at hundreds or thousands of people looking to march and black folks at that. And there were no black owned restaurants in certain areas they were going to. How would they eat? Well, they had to depend on the community. They had to depend on the churches. They had to depend on the local organizations. And this is how these things were paid for. And and I always wondered, like, man, how, how is he, he doing this? We already know, for the most part, ministers are paid uh, from the salaries, from the tithes that the congregation pays to these churches. Right. So a lot of that was involved, but he also had to get he had to get help from other folks. It wasn't just black Americans. It was white Americans. It was people who believed in the cause. It was people who who wanted to be involved in some way, but they couldn't necessarily afford to leave their jobs and get out on the streets and get to marching. It was a lot of the young people who didn't have jobs, who were going to college, who maybe wanted to go to college that was involved in it. There was a lot of people who had support somewhere else. They were able to get out into the streets and sacrifice their lives because they weren't getting paid to march. Right. That that wasn't happening. This wasn't. And either way, this is a spiritual movement. You can't. You can't pay people to stand in front of dogs barking at you. You can't pay people to take the pressure from fire hoses. That takes a, a special movement that takes a different spirit within you to make that move, to stand out there and take that type of abuse. You have to have something greater than you moving in your life for you to take that type of abuse. And many people did. Right. And and that's who paid for it. We all paid for it. The collective people paid for it. It wasn't just him and it wasn't just his family. His family paid a huge cost. Right. Uh, his wife paid a huge cost of being alone. I, it's tough for me to leave my wife at home when I go to work, <laughs> especially with these kids. Right. Uh, so I can only imagine what it's like leaving your family behind and being his wife, not knowing if she was going to see her husband again, knowing he was going out to fight for the people, not knowing if he was going to come back home, not having that certainty of him coming back home, not having that certainty or that guarantee that what he's doing will bear fruit. And that's difficult. But it's always like that when you're chasing a dream. It's always like that. You never know if what you're doing is going to bear fruit. This is where faith comes in. Right. This is why you can only do things great if you have faith, because there's no way in the world. They didn't believe what they were doing was going to make a difference. But they would do it. Right. Because, again, they weren't doing it for the money. Nobody was paying them to do this. Right. They didn't have, you know, salaries and bonuses for every march that you went on. Right. A lot of times you came back with bruises. You came back with scars. You came back to a lost job. But it was the the community. It was the black owned businesses. It was the black millionaires. Because, yeah, there were, you know, millionaires back then. Uh, people like uh, A.G. Golf. He was uh, one of the one of the black millionaires down in Alabama or A.G. Gaston, excuse me. 
he was one of the black millionaires down in Alabama. He was one of those people who when King and so many other people would get locked up, he would post their bail. Right. When uh, they tried to take him to court for tax fraud and, and, and take him to prison for other things. It was the lawyers who knew what they knew that would step up and donate their time. Right. And it was the community. It was the black owned businesses that would allow their employees to go out and march and go do what they had to do in their towns and come back and still have a job. Right. It was the black owned businesses who would go pick up their employees who were normally dependent on the bus routes that they boycotted from. They would go pick up their employees and bring them to work, make sure they had transportation to work so they could continue to be productive. If we didn't have those things. Right. This this movement wouldn't function. I say this all the time. Even nonprofit organizations depend on profits. Right. This movement depended on profits. It depended on people taking their money, taking the cash flow that they had extra to provide the resources that needed to keep this thing going. There's no other way this thing gets going. You can't do this type of movement without the resources. You can't have this type of movement. You can't have this type of change without the finances. This is why I feel like it is so important. The critical the critical thing that we have to do. As a people, and I'm talking to all people, not just black people, but as a people, because we're at this point now where you're going to have to make a decision. What class, what side of the class would you sit on? Are you going to be lower class, middle class, upper class? And we all know, we talked about this before, the middle class is dying. All right. We'll do a review of this book um, about the death of the middle class one of these days here. But we know the middle class is dying. It, the, the gap between the haves and have nots are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're going to have to choose what side you want to be on. Right. And even if you don't want to choose, if you want to save the middle class, so to speak, you still have to do this with your finances. One of my mentors always say, look, the best way to help poor people is not to be one of them. The only way it is not to be one of them is not to spend every seed, not to eat every seed that comes in the house. You got to plant some of them. Right. You have to tend to some of them. You can only eat so many seeds, but you got to start planting seeds to grow your trees. Right. To grow your crops, to start multiplying what you have. When you start multiplying what you have, more comes to you. Right. The opportunities to start flowing in your direction. When you have money, people find find you and they give you opportunities. Opportunities find you when you have more money. Right. And it was only the money, it was only the finances, it was only the resources that allow such a movement like this to move forward. Also, when his stand up, Dave Chappelle was talking about it, uh, you look at about the, the Me Too movement, all these women that are coming out and men as well coming out and exposing those people that have sexually harassed him, have raped them, have violated their lives. And he's talking about that in relation to Kaepernick. And he's saying there's a part of him that wants to start a GoFundMe for Colin Kaepernick and not because he needs the money, so to speak, because we need to treat each other better when people step out and they they put their necks out for other people. Because right now, as it stands, we treat people like that pretty bad. It's, it's difficult to deal with when you don't have the finances, when you don't have the resources. And if we can give people the resources to go out and be brave when they do step out. We will see a lot more of this and we can bring down the systems that control uh, that allow these things to happen. But if every time we get a paycheck, we spend all of the paycheck. 
will never have any enough enough left over to pour our funds and our resources into these people, into the causes that we believe in, whether it's wealth building for your family, leaving a legacy, whether it's getting behind a cause that you believe in, whether it's just living the life you want to live. It takes resources. It takes your your funds. It takes you handling your finances better to make these things happen. And that's why I, I do this, right? Because I truly believe that us not being good with money is an epidemic. It is a tragedy. And yes, you can argue and say, look, we just don't make enough money. We just don't earn enough money. The cost of living is getting higher and higher and higher. And that is true. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to keep drowning. Right. Are you going to make excuses? Or are you going to make moves? Because you can make excuses all day. Right. You can say, well, so and so just don't pay me enough. OK. And what? Now what? You through? You give up? Did Dr. King give up? Did he say, look, I don't I think that's impossible. I'm sure in his life during this process, he thought a lot of this stuff was impossible, but he did it anyway. He just kept moving forward. It was his action that stepped him that set him apart. There's no doubt in my mind that he had a lot of doubt in his mind about what he was doing, but he kept moving. Right. He kept going forward. He did what was necessary. We're going to have to do what's necessary to to achieve our own dreams, because that's what the cost of a dream is. It's the necessary. But your dream has to become a must for you. As long as it's an option, you'll continue to sit where you sit right now. You'll continue to complain. You continue to sit there and wonder where your dollars have gone. You'll continue to blame somebody else for your situation because that's easy to do, right? It's easy to blame somebody else and just sit back in your own in your own tears, right? <laughs> in your own sorrows and blame somebody else for it because that really that's kind of what the culture is of today, right? But you wasn't raised like that. You know better, right? Don't fall for it. Don't sit in your own filth crying because nobody's gonna come clean you up you gotta clean yourself up yes there's inequality right yes there's oppression yes other people have advantages but what are you gonna do about that right here's the beautiful thing about life you can change you could do something today that will change your tomorrow right now you can make a difference you can make a change You don't have to do anything. Right? You don't have to do anything. Life is about choices. You say, but yeah, I don't make enough money. That may be the case. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to make more money? Or are you just going to just accept what you have until somebody decides to lay you off and you have no money? Right? You're going to have to make the, you're going to have to make a change. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do something different. Right. I've talked about the parable of the talents, one of my favorite stories in the good book. And he talks about the person who had little only had one talent, hid his talent because he was afraid he was going to lose his talent because you feel like it wasn't enough. But the one that had five talents. Doubled his talents, doubled his money. Right. And back then, the talent was like a month's worth of, of living expenses. Right. But it also relates to talents that we have today. You have talents and you may be hiding it behind something. Right. You're hiding it behind your job because you just that that feels safe for you. You don't want to you don't want to risk anything. So you're going to hide your talent. And not use it. 
Well, guess what? In that story, the one that had the least, the one that hid his talent, his talent was taken from him and given to the one who doubled the money, the one that had the most. And when I first heard that, I thought that is so unfair. But now when I look at it, it makes sense. I understand it now. If I have something of worth to you, right? if I want to invest in you and I give you something and I want you to multiply it and you don't, well, I'm not going to give you any more of it. I'm going to give it to the person who's going to make the most out of it. It just makes sense, right? That's life. Life is about growth. It's not about hiding. It's not about being afraid. And it's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to stay there. Right? You do it anyway. Do it afraid. It's one of the things I, I teach my kids. Do it afraid. Now, I have a daughter who is naturally like this. She just she will do things. She just does things afraid. So it comes easier to some people than others. My son, no, nah, no. Nah, he's afraid. He's 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 shattering at the knees. He's going to freeze up. And we got to coach him through it. My daughter, she's going to still shake at the knees, but she's going to do it anyway. Right. She's afraid of heights. I remember one of the first times we took her to the park. She's climbing up the ladder uh, and she got up like to the second rung and she was like, Daddy, I'm afraid. And her little knees and hands were shaking anyway. But she did it anyway. She kept going. Every step she was afraid, more and more afraid. But she just took that next step. and She kept going. Even when she got to the top of the ladder, she got on the platform. She was still afraid. But we celebrated it. Right. Brought her back down. And guess what? She wanted to do again. Now, she is naturally inclined to do that. My son, (laughs) not so much. Right. We're all different. But either way, we can take a lesson from my daughter. Do it anyway. It's the only way you're going to climb to the top. You got to do it afraid. Now, I'm not saying risk anything. Right. She didn't go up there without help. I was there just in case I was going to to catch her. Right. We had a game plan. She had instructions. Right. So don't just get out there and just throw your money out into the wind gambling. Right. We we can't afford to gamble. If you're in the middle class, you're in the lower class. You cannot afford to gamble. You got to play the game right. You got to know all the rules. You got to know how to break the rules. You got to know how to use the rules to your advantage, because let me tell you something. The people who have they know the rules. They know how to use the rules to their advantage. Right. But you got to keep pushing regardless of that. Dr. Martin Luther King, he knew the rules. He knew the rules well. But he also knew. That in certain places, other people control the rules. But he knew what he could do. He knew what he can get away with. It was calculated steps. Now, he could have lost his life and he did. Right. Especially once he started talking about. Uh, once he got out of the, the civil rights thing, like just kind of being treated civilly, right, which is ridiculous, that were, weren't even equal rights. It was just civil rights. And it was so difficult to get that. But once he started talking about economic inclusion, once he started talking about his plan to get rid of pro- poverty, that's when they were like, nah, he has to go. I, re- I really, truly believe that's why he was assassinated. Right. Because when he started talking about financial equality. But that just goes to show you how important finances are. People know it. You know it. You know deep down inside, even though you've been taught that money is not all that important. Show me somebody that says that and I'm going to show you a broke person. It is important. It's not everything, 
But like Zig Ziglar said, it ranks right up there around with oxygen. Right. We don't worship money. Right. Money is not our master. We utilize money. Money is a slave. We tell money what to do. That's the difference. If you've never done that, you have been a slave to your money. Whether you've been in debt or not, a lot of people make this big fuss about debt makes you a slave. What makes you a slave is not controlling your money, not telling your money what to do, because if you're not telling your money what to do, it's dictating what you can do. It is your master, whether you it's debt or just the paycheck or just your living decisions. Right. How you decide where you decide to live, how you decide to spend your money or don't decide. You just kind of let whatever happens. Right. That's the true issue. Reason why you don't hear me talking about debt all, all the time on this show, because debt is not the problem. It's what it's costing you. that's the problem. It's how you're managing your money is the problem. That is the root of the problem. Right. And there's so much we we just get distracted on because we don't get to the root of the problem. But I'm off tangent now, right? <laughs> this is not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the cost of a dream, but I hope it relates to you that it relates to you that this is what the cost is. No matter what your dream is. First of all, if you don't have a dream, get one right life. I don't know. Life is not worthwhile if you don't have a dream because it's all about growing. It's all about getting to the next level. You can do more if you have a dream. If you don't have a dream, you just kind of go through life, you know, willy nilly. But if you're going to go through life willy nilly. I think it was Les Brown who would always say, if you go through life casually, you'll end up a casualty. Right. And I found that to be true. If I go through life casually, I end up being a casualty to somebody else, to somebody else's plans. We talked about this last week. If you don't have plans for your own life, you'll fall into somebody else's plans. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. You got to have plans for yourself. You got to have dreams for yourself. But then you got to know the cost. Dr. King had to know the cost. At least during some point, he started to accept the cost. This is what it's going to cost for me to have this dream. This is what I'm going to have to do to go out and keep moving. And he had the will of the people behind him. He had people believing in him to help him move forward. What is it that you're doing that people can get behind you and believe for? What is that cause? What is it? But remember, in the beginning, people may not believe. Right. They're going to call you crazy. They're going to call you a terrorist. They're going to call you a communist. They're going to call you crazy. Right. I still have people in my family. They come to me and they ask me, are you still doing that little uh, money, money show thing? Right. Even though we've helped thousands of people. Right. We've had hundreds of thousands of downloads this episode. I still get that. Right. I don't give advice to family and people that are close to me unless they come and ask me for it. It's just the way it goes. If you've ever tried to start your own business. You know, especially if you've ever been in network marketing, you try to go to people and they, they run from you. They stop answering your phone calls. Right. That's how it that's how it is in the beginning. People are going to call you crazy. People call Albert Einstein crazy. That's what happened. All right. And now look at him. People call Dr. Martin Luther King all kinds of stuff. Troublemaker, communist, terrorist. Whatever you want to call it, blah, blah, blah. Right. But look at him today. He has monuments. He has a whole day. He has a country. A whole world celebrates this man's name and his legacy. Because he decided to pay the full cost. Now it did cost him his life. But his name and his legacy lives on. 
But you have to determine whether or not whatever you're going for in life is worth that to you. My family, my wife, my kids, they're worth it for me to go out there and do what I got to do. To make moves, to make challenges, to, to, to make things change. Right. The cause that I'm after. Right. To, to show people an example of a full family. A household where a husband and wife, especially a black husband and a black wife with a stay at home mom on a regular income can raise four children and live a good lifestyle. Get out of the rat race and build wealth. Right. I feel like if we can do that, if we can be examples, we can save marriages, we can save families, we can change generations. Right. Just giving people examples. Because that's the only thing we're missing is examples. We're missing representation. Right. And that's one of my goals with the show is to provide representation. It's one of the reasons why my profiles are public. It's one of the reasons why I talk about my wife. I talk about my kids. I show pictures of them so people can see it is possible. You can raise a family, own a house, own a few cars, have a wife that stays at home on making $50,000 a year or 60 or whatever, right? Or 70 or 100 or 130 or 30,000 or 500,000. It doesn't matter what the number is. It's about the decisions that you make. It's about how we manage the dollars that we have. It's how we put the big rocks in front of us or don't. Right. We can all do this. We just need to be shown examples. We need to be shown the way. And these ways they don't teach in school. Nobody taught Dr. Martin Luther King how to do what he did. Right. But he's had to do it. He paved the way. Now you see people following these same footsteps. The LGBT community. You see, uh, you know, the transgender community. You see the women's movement. It all they all took notes on how to make this thing right. And they perfected it every single change, every single time. Right. They got better and better and better and better. Right. We could do the same thing with our own lives, with our finances. If we work with each other, if we learn from each other and we continue to grow and we make a decision, we understand that it's going to be a cost to this, this, to this thing. It's going to be a cost to living the life that you want to live. You got to be willing to pay the price. Find the strategies that'll get you there and keep moving. Never give up. And that's what the dream really cost. Hopefully that was helpful. I thought it was an interesting concept to think about what it was. Like, how did he get there? How did he pay for these things? Well, he paid for it by sharing the story, sharing a dream and other people getting behind him that believed in what he did. And they financed it. Black owned businesses, uh, white owned businesses, the people who are the white liberals, the Jewish communities, the, the churches. The, the Baptist churches, the, the organizations, these are the things, these are the people that got behind them and financed this whole thing. Because again, like I said, they wouldn't stay in hotels, right? They had to stay in each other's houses. They had to sell the cause. They had to sell the dream to get people to get behind them. You might have to sell your dream to get people to help you, to get people behind you. But you have to also know that they're only going to get behind you if they're feeling like this is going to be a service that will benefit them, right? That'll benefit the whole, that'll benefit other people. And that was the key behind what he was doing. Right. He had to get other people involved. He had to learn leadership. He had to learn how to communicate. If you think about this for a second, the highest paid jobs, the the people who have the most resources or the people who know and understand how to communicate to other people. Because remember, we said that money only comes from one place. Money comes from people. Nowhere else. I have the money. Have to want to give my money to you. 
if I'm going to give my money to you, my hard earned money to you, I have to be knowing I have to know that this is for a reason. I have to know that this is this is worthwhile. It has to bring more value to the world than than I'm willing than I'm willing to go work for. Right. Or I could go spend it somewhere else. So money only comes from people. If you learn how to communicate with people, if you learn leadership skills, if you get these type of skills that pay more than just the bills, you can move forward. You can move forward with your dream. But that's all it costs. Right. That's it. Right. It costs what's necessary. So with that being said, I appreciate you listening. That's all I got for today. Hey, if you got a comment, you got a question, you want to just say a nice word, come over to the website, yourmoneyright.com forward slash 78 and let us know in the comments. Let us know how you feel about the show. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you learn from Dr. Martin Luther King? What has he inspired you to do in your life or treat other people? I really want to know. Let's get this conversation popping. Yourmoneyright.com forward slash 78 and let me know. So I appreciate you listening. I really do. I love you and God bless. And P.S. And P.S. Every talking about my